Hello, I'm Todd Starnes, lead pastor of Odessa First Assembly, and I'm grateful that you joined us today. I hope and pray that this message will encourage you and bless you. And remember, you can find more information about us at odessafirstassembly.com. God bless you. Well, happy Mother's Day. It's good to be here today. Well, I'm here every Sunday, but it's good to see y'all here today, too. <laughs> Um, it is is good to be here today. Um, I, those are two of my kids. Shaylee is home now from college for the summer, so we're excited for her to be here. And um, a, it's been I don't know eight years ago or so. I was I was um, uh, going to a new school, so I was in an interview process, and the principal asked, "What is your greatest goal in life?" and um, the first thing that came to my mind is that is what I said, and I said that my kids all go to heaven. And um, as uh, all of us here, I think that that's probably our, hopefully our greatest goal too, that we want um, our kids, we want everyone that we know to come to know Jesus, to make that decision to follow, follow him and to eventually be in heaven, right? So um, I am proud of my kids. Um, I am thankful for their hearts, and we are not a perfect family. <laughs> there were there were tears, you know, when you're when you're just starting to get on stage and nerves and all this stuff. Okay, I'm sorry, Kaylee. I'm going to tell it on our tell on us right now. But right before she goes, oh no, I've got to go to the restroom. And I said, don't worry, I do too. Um, <laughs> because when nerves hit, that's what happens. <laughs> like you just have to go to the bathroom. So I'll try not to have to leave it too quickly. But <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> if I disappear, just you know, close your eyes and bow your heads and all that stuff. <laughs> no. So, um, well. I'm excited to share this morning, and um, I'm excited that my mother-in-law and father-in-law are here, Charles and Betty Starnes, Todd's parents, and it is, it's a joy. Um, this is not in my notes, but just a little thing here. The, one of the greatest things you can do to love your spouse is to love their family. Um, their kids, if you're a blended family, if you are... Um, and they are great examples of that. I mean, wonderful examples of that. And um, it always touches my heart when Todd is spending time with my family, and I love to spend t time with his family. It's we're all one big happy family. When Shaylee was little, she's like, I just wish we could all live on the same block. And I was like, then we wouldn't be one big happy family. We would just be one big family. <laughs> so, no. <laughs> anyway, but we do um, love that they're here. And um, I do want to, well, first of all, I just want to honor all of you ladies that are here, um, regardless of your age. Um, your children, your motherhood, none of that defines you. You are a child of God. You are a woman of God. Whether you're a fur mama or you're a, you have kids or you have grandkids, um, no matter what, you are a child of God, and, and um, I know Mother's Day can kind of be, kind of be difficult if you've had loss in your life or um, disappointments, and um, so I'm glad that you're here. I believe that you're here for a divine purpose, and that God is going to work greatly in us. 
today. Um, I do want to set the record straight. Todd refers quite often, from time to time, he says that I knew on our first date that, I, that he was the one. But I want to set the record straight in the presence of my mother-in-law who heard firsthand <laughs> that it was him that knew first. <laughs> we, um, I was 25, Todd was 24 when we got married. And we dated for six months. And, um, you know, when you know, you know, right? <laughs> so from our first date to our wedding date was six months. And, of course, if you look way back in the olden days, they would date, like, for six weeks. So, I mean, and they lasted a very long time, 50, 70 years, you know. So, anyway, <laughs> I did have my list. Um, my list was ever-evolving whenever before, before I was married, and I had my list of, of what I was looking for and, and a lot from life experience, and then as the more I read the Bible, I was like, hey, there's a lot of wisdom in this thing. You should try reading it. It really is really amazing. <laughs> I am being kind of facetious, but for real, it is. And like whenever I read that it said, um, you know, stay away from a hot-tempered man, I was like, oh, okay, better add that to my list. <laughs> so, um, but I'm just really thankful that the Lord led me to an awesome guy and that um, we have grown a lot in these last 22 and a half years, not just physically, <laughs> but spiritually, emotionally, relationally. And I'm more in love with Todd now than ever, and um, I'm grateful. We are each other's biggest fan, and um, he's always encouraging to me. He always says, if you have something in your heart, you, you have the pulpit, you know, so he's... Um, He's just been just my, my biggest fan, and I'm his biggest fan, too. And um, I do want to say that, um, well, and we've always been in this together, and so it's, it's a joy. You know, God's plan for marriage was from the very beginning. In the book of Genesis, it talks about um, that as God was creating everything, that it was not good for man to be alone, but he would create a helper that was suitable for him. And so, that was Eve. That was woman. That's us. The Bible says that for this, ma this reason will a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they'll become one flesh. And they would be one. They would be naked and not ashamed. The union would be holy, full of mutual love, respect, honor. God had the perfect plan with a happily ever after, don't, to not out yet, with a happily ever after, but then something wreaked havoc in that perfect image. The deceiver came and crashed the party. This love fest, this communion with God, this nature, all was absolutely perfect. Every bit it was perfect. But then the serpent came to deceive. Eve fell for it, then Adam did. And Satan has really been deceiving people ever since. If you think about it, the marriage God intended, um, just as I retold a little bit from Genesis, was that, I mean, God created male and female. I mean, that's pretty, pretty plain and simple. He created marriage. He created sex. He created all of it good. But now we fast forward to 2021. Does that plan still work? Did you know, okay, I'm sorry, I'm going to embarrass my kids today, just so y'all know. So, <laughs> did you know 
that, that studies have shown that the most sexually satisfied people in the world are church-going people, people who are committed married couples with one partner. Did you know that? Can you, in that, okay. Does that, is that the picture that the world paints? No, the world paints it to be like a totally opposite. Do you think that serpent, that, that deceiver is still trying to deceive? Say, oh, did God really say to wait? Did God really say just one? Uh, I mean, did God really say, okay, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but what that deception has done has um, saying, you know, oh, he's holding out on you. But what it has done is it has left us with a broken world, a lot of brokenness. And so I want to say to all of you that aren't married yet that waiting for the godly spouse is worth the wait. You need to know that. It is worth the wait. I was 25, um, and someone asked me one time, why are you not married yet? And I'm like, well, I haven't found anybody I wanted to spend the rest of my life with yet. So, I mean, that's just kind of plain and simple. Um, don't fall for the lie that that person does not exist. And I will say this, that first date, I was like, what? This guy does exist. I was like, whoa. So, <laughs> so, so um, I thought it could be. I thought this could be the one. <laughs> So um, it is. It is worth. It is worth the wait. Um, so um, don't fall for the trap that says that fulfillment can be found in any other way. Don't fall for it. It's a lie. It's a trick. Okay. It is a trap. God said it best after His creation. He said it was good. It was good. And so you can believe that. Believe that from somebody who's been married for 22 and a half years. Believe it from a lot that have been married longer than that. And it is worth the wait. Believe it. And we, we have our own stories that we could share with you more. This perfect garden, perfect love, perfect marriage, perfect communion with God was interrupted when sin in, entered the world. In this story... God comes to visit with them in the cool of the evening, but because they had sinned, they were ashamed and they hid from him. They started blaming. Eve blamed the serpent. Adam blamed Eve. Strife began. So marriage problems, all of that kind of stuff was not ever God's plan. It never was, was that. So from the time we are born, hurt begins, right? I mean, they used to say they spanked you. I don't really think they do that. <laughs> But that warm baby that is developing in the womb suddenly finds himself in a cold room, not comfortable. Quickly the mother is trying to soothe and bring comfort and cuddle and talking to the baby. So as that baby gets bigger, y'all stay with me here. We all know that mommy makes everything better, right? Mommy makes everything better. When we scraped or hit our, scraped our knee or hit our head, Mommy knew exactly what to do. So we actually asked a few kids in our church what they do when they hurt themselves. Can you play that video? What, what do you do when you hurt yourself? 
I will run to my mom and ask her that I got her and she she um then she puts a bandaid on. I go to my mom and my dad. Do they make it better? Yes. Did you go see mom? Yes. What does she do? She kisses my boo-boo. <laughs> and then what? <laughs> and then I hug her and then I come back outside. Oh, I love that. She kisses and makes it better, and then she just goes outside and plays again. It's like, well, of course. Okay, so Band-Aids make it always better. I, did you ever put a Band-Aid on a bruise where you're like, it's not going to help? But they think it is, and so that's okay, right? So they have, um, and kiss it, kiss it, make it all better. So um, if you couldn't hear all them, they just put a Band-Aid on it when, when they're hurt, and it makes it feel better. So, and nurturing healthy mother is always trying to figure out what that child needs, right? Helping heal the owies, comforting when that child is hurt. And we all know when we're kids, we thought that, that would, the kiss and the Band-Aid would make it better. Wasn't it just so simple when a Band-Aid would fix everything? Oh, man. Oh, it's so simple. But we know that it didn't take long do? before a different kind of hurt begins. Um, and it's... Those are a little bit harder to fix, aren't they? Those, those hurts, um, we, we've all experienced that. This reminds me of this last week I was subbing, and this little boy is so upset, and he's, like, he's just all about to cry, and I said, what's, what's wrong? And he said, he's not going to let me come to his birthday. And I said, when is your birthday? And he said, November. I was like really best friends, and you're not going to let them come to your birthday, which was funny because I remember that thing happening with some of Shaylee's friends when she was little. I'm like, okay, this is ridiculous. But those hurts begin even as a, as a child. Um, from the time that, that we start walking, hurt begins. We can't stop. We realize that we can't keep every hurt from, from happening. Hurts can be as minor as not being included, and that can be big, but hurt can also be abuse and abandonment. Hurts come no matter how, how, who you are, no matter who your parents are, hurts come. Hurts have happened. So, I have, um, recently Todd was talking about my bag of things that we might need. And so I decided to go ahead and bring it today. And um, there, there is a purpose in this because on our journey, there are things that we're going to need. You may not need it right now, but you might need it. So I've used this in, like, this comes from uh, missions trips, from Six Flags trips. I'm going to places where you cannot just run to Walmart camp. Um, things, you just can't run to Walmart and get it. So um, I just have a few things well, maybe not just a few things. I do have a lot of things in it. And this is realistic. This is a realistic thing. So um, I always have water. We can always refill, but I always have water. I do have Band-Aids, floss, anybody like that. that I hate when food gets stuck in my teeth. So um, contact solution, um, like Tylenol, tummy stuff, hand sanitizer, sunscreen, if anybody gets headaches, you, will, you might appreciate this. Oh, 
Did I say hand sanitizer? I have these things that kind of help with my headaches. Um, Gatorade, greens, um, snacks, salty snacks, because sometimes if your stomach's upset. Um, I have more snacks, gum, battery charger, tissues, lotion. Okay, um, what's that? Let's see. And, oh, yeah. Next, I've had this bag how long, Todd? 20 years? <laughs> Isn't that crazy? And I still, I, I just, I like, I guess, all the pockets. I don't know. Um, I also always have raincoats. I'm, now, not in Odessa, because we don't need them in Odessa. But sometimes at camp, it rains, or at Six Flags, or on missions trips. And I don't want to go pay $8, and plus, you usually can't go find them. But I can get them for cheap at the Dollar Tree and have them in my bag and share for my whole family. And these actually were on hand. I still had them from before. And I always have like either a little New Testament or something like that because you never know if you're in line at Six Flags and somebody might not know the Lord. And if you have a little New Testament, you can give it to him right there. So that is in my real bag of tricks. Okay. Well, the connection here is that from the time we are early in life, we begin a journey of things that we are going to need. That um, maybe, maybe your mom helped you pack some things that you were gonna need to deal with in this journey of life as you deal with hurts. Because we're all gonna be dealing with hurts from time to time. So, some of these items that you may have packed in your bag come in the form of momisms. Now, this is not my own thing. Actually, my mom gave me this book one time, Momisms. And so, actually, this last week, I put on my Facebook, like, what is a momism that your mom said? And I could not believe how many of us have, like, very quick memories of, oh, yeah, my mom always said, you know, this. Um, so, actually, I want to kind of share, share a few of those momisms. Um, let's see. Okay. Um, let me get mine. I can read better. You never know what someone is going through or going, to, going home to. This is Cassandra saying, I could never go home and complain about a mean girl in, in school. Um, someone said, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything. Debbie Lott said, if you can't say anything or something good, don't say it at all. Um, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? Patty Castro, Betty Beaver's daughter, said that she would say, um, they're just jealous every time they were dealing with peers. Um, you always have to eat crow. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Um, if you want friends, show yourself friendly. That's from Shanna when she was young and awkward. Um, this is actually a bunch that my mom said. Is this the way you talk to your friends? She didn't say it to me. She just said it to my, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, she said it to me. Is this the way you talk to your friends? Put yourself in their shoes. Let it roll off your back like water off a duck's back. Kill them with kindness. When I would say, well, he started it, she would say, well, I'm finishing it. So I think I've used that a time or two. Um, when I would say, well, she gets to do, well, I'm not her mother. I'm your mother. Um, she would say, take the high road. So, um, oh, yeah, I put my momisms in here. I forgot I, I glued them all in here. Anyway, um, so maybe you had some momisms that that you learned along the way, and they really aren't just momisms. They're just cliches that we use, but they can be helpful, right? 
So all of these are wonderful quotes, and most of them have a spiritual connection. We could probably actually have a verse with each one of these, that, probably a lot of verses, actually, and I will share some of these. But um, there's no greater wisdom, I will say, than the Bible. Really, I know I say that, and I say it a lot, but you would be shocked how much that you can read just in the Bible that will help you in dealing with others. Um, as a mother, I wanted to keep my kids from ever getting hurt, but um, I learned quickly that I couldn't save them from everything. There was a friend of mine that told me when Shaylee was a baby, she said, don't overreact when your kids get hurt. She was saying, if there was anything that I wish I had done differently, I would not overreact when they get hurt. So instead of, oh, my baby, just, um, oh, shake it off. You know, so we tried to teach our kids, shake it off. You got it. You're all right. And then if it's bad, you know, we'll deal with it then. So the sooner we can get our bag of tricks to help us process these hurts, some that are devastating and others less impactful, the better off we're going to be. And then we can help others. That's the thing. Once we can learn to process these things, we can help others. So we are going to turn in our Bibles, and if you want to turn there, um, if you can, in Genesis chapter 2 is where we're going to kind of get started. In Genesis, when centered the world and the tension began, I'm going to, I want to revisit the passage that I began with, and we're going to read a little bit of Genesis 2 and 3. It's the Old Testament, if you didn't know that, and it's the first book in the Bible, so I made it easy for you today. So, <laughs> But I want us to I want us to go ahead and pray now. God, we thank you so much for this day. I thank you for every person in this place. I know that you have something for all of us, and just um, we just ask you to continue your work. I know through worship there was just um, a lot happening in the spirit realm, just that softening in our hearts and pre preparing our hearts. And we just pray that you would do your work in this place, that healing would take place, and, and just do your work. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Um, speaking of worship, I do want to say this real quickly. One thing that Todd doesn't have to deal with, that I had to deal with, is I cried all my makeup off. So I'm like, that is not fair. I didn't have time to go redo my makeup. He doesn't have to deal with that. <laughs> worship was really awesome this morning. I appreciate it a lot. So um, we're going to read... In Genesis, beginning with chapter 2, verse 20. And kind of go through this um, a little in more depth. In verse, verse 20, the second part of that, it says, But for Adam no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord made the Lord God made woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked and felt no shame. And now... Um, into chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. 
He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden, from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Like that was a bad thing. Did you ever think about that? (laughs) Like that was a bad thing. Oh, so I'm not going to know bad things? Okay, well, anyway. Um, So verse 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. She also took some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together, and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here, she gave me some of the fruit, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is it that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God, and then the rest of this goes into the the punishment, the um, consequences that happened for their sin. So... Adam blamed Eve, then Eve, well, Adam blamed Eve, and he actually kind of blamed God. Uh, This woman that you put here, right? Okay, it's kind of like, I'm not going to blame you, but you put him here. You put her here right here. And I thought, wow, what a short memory. Remember the chapter before he's saying, wow, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, you know, he's rejoicing and happy and now his memory has been cut short so then Eve blames the serpent so the consequences did start with the most blame he did start with 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 Satan but what happens is blame when we're dealing with things when we're dealing with sin or wrongdoing blaming doesn't do any good Blaming does not do any good. They all still had their consequences for their part. They shared in the responsibility because they each made that choice to disobey. So when we're facing a difficult situation, the first thing I want to say is avoid blame. Blame doesn't get you anywhere. It really does no good at all. It doesn't take responsibility off the other person because God sees everything. He knows the whole thing, and they are going to get their part of, the, of the, the consequences. But for you, what just let's not, let's not blame. Um, it wastes your emotional and spiritual energy. I mean, it just is, it's like a vicious cycle. Well, they, well, it's because, it's, it's because, it's because, it's because it, it doesn't help. It doesn't help us one bit, does it? It's kind of like, so we're putting the focus on the one who can heal us from that hurt 
and the guilt and forgive us from all of that. It takes the focus off of him and then it puts it on the one who hurt us. So we're just looking at that person or that situation. It's because, it's because, and we're just looking at that person instead of on the one who can heal us and help us get through it. It's like reliving the pain over and over again. It's like letting them continue what they did over and over again, and it doesn't help. Blame is, is reliving that hurt. The sooner we can stop that blaming, we can start healing. God will deal with them. And if you want to jot this down, Psalm 37 will tell you that he will take care of them. And in Psalm 37, it says, Don't fret when evil men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. This has been a go-to because sometimes I get hurt. And I have to go to that and remember that I have to delight myself in the Lord and keep myself in him because he's going to take care of them. I don't have to do that part. So if we focus on him and not on those that hurt us. The next thing that, that I see that in, in this passage about, um, from Genesis is God wanted the responsibility, wanted to know what you did. Adam, he specifically asked, what did you, did you eat the fruit of the tree? Well, he wanted to do the blame, but, but the thing was, God said, no, I'm sorry. Maybe you just didn't, well, he didn't say it like that. <laughs> yes, I do say it like this. I'm sorry, I meant what, what did you do? And I have used this in my, in my classroom before. What did you do? Well, they, no, what did you do? What did you do? We have to take personal responsibility when necessary. We have to accept responsibility. Sometimes we will we'll tell our kids, okay, yes, they did this. But what did you do in response to that? See, what it did is it took the, took the focus off the initial hurt, and it went to you because of your response. So now you've got to deal with this issue. So instead, we accept our personal responsibility. Yes, they may have been wronger, but we still were wrong, <laughs> right? So, um, so stop and kind of take inventory. What did I do? And he asked Eve specifically, what did you do? So the third thing that, that we can do is respond correctly. So we know the incorrect way, not, not through the guilt and, or not through the blame, um, but also accepting personal responsibility. But then respond correctly. There are, um, as I've said, there is so much wisdom in the Bible that tells us how to respond when we are hurt. Um, if I were to ask you if you've ever been hurt, there is not a single person in this place that will not say that they haven't been hurt. And really, the people that hurt us the most are the people closest to us because we're around them the most. I mean, that's just, and I probably hurt the people that I'm closest to the most around me. And I have to continually stop and take responsibility for what I did. I'm sorry for my attitude whatever it is, may have nothing to do with the person there, but then respond correctly. My mom would tell me that I can't control others, but I can choose how to respond. I can't control what other people do to me, but I can determine what I do in response to that. Here are some scriptures that help us to respond correctly. This is one my mom quoted a lot whenever I was 
younger, and my Aunt Melvina would teach all of her nieces and nephews, as she would say, a soft answer turns away, I think Chase and Shaylee remember, turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. That's Proverbs 15.1. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 say, in your anger do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. I've said before, I've told my kids this, but that hurt cannot stay in us. We have to, we have to process it and let it go. Kind of like a re- revolving door, one of those, those, round do- those revolving doors. It comes in and it needs to go right back out. Yes, it happened. Yeah, but it's got to go back out. So when, when hurt comes, we have to not let it stick. We've got to process it quickly. And the only one that can help us process it quickly is the Lord and godly people that can help us. So you know who to go to, right? This wasn't in my notes. You know who to go to, right, if you want to be healed. You'll go to somebody who you know will tell you, well, you were kind of wrong in this area. You probably need to go apologize to your husband. And they know, you know if you come to me, I'm probably going to tell you that, something like that, if, it's, if that needs to be said. But... If you can also go to somebody else, they'll be like, boy, you need to drop that boy like a hot potato. I mean, you just need to get rid of him. You, didn't, you, know, you don't deserve that. You deserve to be happy. I mean, somebody will tell you that too, won't they? But that's not godly counsel. So you know who to listen to. You know who to talk to. If you want to process it right in God's way and not let that root of bitterness get just embedded in you, to help you process it and let it go, go to the Lord and go to godly counsel, and they will help you through it. It does not have to stay. Um, in Matthew 5.23, it says, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them then come and offer your gift. So this is, again, about responding correctly. Um, Sometimes we have hurt someone else. Sometimes it's just misunderstanding. I mean, I would say that the majority of things are misunderstandings. Like, I did not mean it the way it came out. Maybe you heard it the wrong way. Sometimes we have these filters on our ears and our glasses that we see what we think is being said and heard, and we think that's what it is. Sometimes it's because of past things, and we, we know how somebody else responded, so we think that's how you meant it. And sometimes I've even heard people say, no, I know how they meant it. Well, not necessarily. <laughs> not necessarily. Sometimes we don't know. So, but this scripture is very clear that when you are at the altar, when you are in prayer, and you realize that someone maybe has hurt you or you've hurt somebody, go to them and try to make it right. And I do know that sometimes it, does, it takes two to fight, but it also takes two to reconcile. And there's this, this poem that I just love in my mom's house. She has had it up for at least 20 years, something like that. And it is in the most visible place in the house. I actually asked her, it was in, in March, I took a picture of it because I was like, Mom, 
Did you put that there on purpose? Because it has stayed through all of any transitions, changing the bathroom up, it has stayed. Do you know where that place is? About three feet in front of the toilet. <laughs> Anybody who spends much time in her house is going to read that over and over again. In fact, I think I can quote it. Okay. Forgiveness is a conscious and deliberate act of the will. It frees the forgiven of guilt and blame while, while freeing the forgiver of anger and pain. It does not have to be received to be given or given to be received, but when both given and received, it reconciles the forgiven to the forgiver. Did I do it? Okay, hey, 20 years right in front of the toilet will help you too if that happens. <laughs> so I actually did have to refresh a little bit, but, but not much. because I, I, And it was so funny because recently I was like, wow, that forgiven and the forgiver is capitalized. And I thought, that's also saying for reconciled to God. Anyway, so after reading it that many times, um, <laughs> so um, what this, this is by Richard Dob Dobbins, and she, she did say, well, you know, it just has always gone with the theme. <laughs> and she loves the, the theme of forgiveness, too. My mom has lived forgiveness, and she has experienced her own forgiveness of, of deep hurts in her life, and she has passed that along to, to us. And so that leads me to the next point is to forgive. We do have to learn to forgive. Ephesians 4.32 um, says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Mine and Todd's moms are such amazing examples of forgiveness. I, um, I asked my mom one time, how did she not hate her dad? And she said, well, what good would that have done? And I was like, okay, it's true. What good would that have done? It would have only hurt herself. And um, Betty had some really devastating wounds as a child. And she, has, she said, I, I, could, I could share this. And um, some deep wounds. Just yesterday we were walking and she said, really, when she came to know Christ, that was when um, she was able to start finding forgiveness. I thought, wow. That's it. That is so true when she came to know Christ. And she had compassion on her mom. She had compassion on, on her family. So when she sees people that hurt other people, she sees them with compassion. But it's also the compassion she received from the Lord. And so that's why her filter is compassion. It's such, such a beautiful thing. She has compassion on others and sees through the Lord's eyes. So the last point is I want you to be encouraged this morning that healing will come, that healing can come. No matter, no matter the, the depth of the wound, if, um, if you were to ask the stories of the people in our church, I mean, everybody has a story. Everybody in this place has a story. Some deeper than others with, when it comes to overcoming wounds. You, you might be surprised. You might be surprised to know. But just know that you aren't alone in this. 
when, when Todd was going through a really hurtful situation, it was shortly before we were married, his mom gave him some advice. And I, I thought she might have wanted to say when he was going through that, I'm going to call that guy up and I'm going to give him an earful. Did you ever want to do that? <laughs> you wanted to. But instead, she knew that wouldn't help him, that he had to process the hurt. And so what she told him is every day choose to forgive. Every day. And eventually, you won't have to every day. And then it'll be maybe every other day. When it comes back up, you choose to forgive again. And then it turns into weeks and then months and years. And the pain of that wound is, is not there. The, you have the memory. You know what happened. That scar is still there. I mean, if you have any scars, you know. And you know the scar can still be there. But the wound isn't there. The pain of it is not there anymore. When um, I, I want us to close, we're going to, with, with just an amazing passage. It's in Isaiah 49. And I really believe that the Lord wants to do a work in us this morning. I have, I've just, this, this last however many months it's been, year, well, 14 months or however long since the pandemic, I feel like everything in our world has really um, intensified. That it has to be all the blame on one party or person or whatever it is. It's all your fault and there's no fault over here. And that's not, that's not real. That's not the way it really is. As people of God, we respond differently. We, we, I mean, yes, I know that you hurt me, but that doesn't mean that I have to hate you now. Um, we respond differently. We process that differently than the world does. So we shouldn't look like the world does. If you, I mean, our congregation, I know if you're watching this online, you don't see this. But would y'all look around at our diversity in our church? Isn't this beautiful? I love our diversity. I love it so much. I love it. I mean, we have just so much representation right here. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. There are not those hateful things that are happening in the world. Not in here, not in this house. In this house, there is forgiveness. In this house, there is love and there is acceptance. Whether you have tattoos all over your arms or you don't, you are accepted in this place, right? No matter the baggage you brought in, you may have brought in a whole lot of baggage, but that's okay because you're in the right place because you're gonna find healing in this place. We're gonna, I want us to, there's a scripture that has just been on my heart for a while and I really wanted to end with it it's in Isaiah 49 I remember the scripture so well because I remember my dad preaching about it and um, I guess when you're a kid you don't forget this scripture <laughs> but it's on Isaiah 49 and Israel had been through great diversity I mean they had been through it I guess the 400 years of, of the, the hardships the slavery I mean they had been through it and 
But hope was coming. The healing was coming to them. It, I want us to start, uh, let's see, we're going to start in verse 14, or verse 13 actually. 49 verse 13, it says, Shout for joy, O heavens, rejoice, O earth. Burst into song, O mountains, for the Lord comforts his people and will have compassion on his afflicted ones. His afflicted ones, those are in deep hurt, deep sorrow, deep grief. But Zion said, this, this is their response, they're like, they feel like, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. And God responds, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will never forget you. Aren't those great words? I will never forget you. See, I have engraved you. This is God speaking. I have engraved you on the palms of my hand. Your walls are ever before me. Just think about that. I mean, we, we read scriptures of God as the father to the fatherless and the husband, he had, for those that has no husband, but also the one who the mother has not been there. And he says, I will never forget you. I will never forget you. You are always on the palm of my hands. Thank you so much for joining us today. 